Well, Lord, we just ask for your help, that you would lead by your spirit, because it's your word that we want the people to hear and not my words. Your thoughts that want to come through today, Lord, and not mine, because your thoughts and your ways and your word is so much higher than our words. But we take it, Father, and just pray that you speak to each one of our hearts. We open our hearts. We, we position ourselves in a place to be receptive to hear your voice now. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Wow. Exciting. A new series. Last month, we had God Speaks. I hope I got that right, haven't we? Yes, he did. He spoke. It was on the last two months. We've been on that for a while, and it's great to hear God's voice speaking to us. Many uh, great messages came through, but now we've got the Roman road. That's exciting. We're going on a hickory, on a journey together down the Roman road. And uh, today, I'm just going to give a bit of an outline, but uh, we start off in Romans 1, and, and Paul the Apostle wrote to the Romans, and he says, uh, in verse 7, he says, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. I love how Jan comes in in the morning and goes, good morning, saint. You're a saint, not because you feel like a saint. If you're a believer in God, it's because you have been sanctified, you've been set apart, you've been made holy by God himself through the death, burial, and resurrection of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul goes on to say, and I believe this verse, and we already had it this morning, I know we brought it in the prayer time, these verses right here that we're about to read. Uh, Romans 1 verse uh, 16 and 17, it says, uh, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Say the power of God. Come on. Power of God. The power of God. Yeah. You know, no, no, no. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Goodness me, he's getting excited. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fire it up. I'm a bit of an extrovert, eh? That's what happens. Hallelujah. To everyone who believes, for everyone who believes, everyone, not just for some, but for everybody, the gospel is unto all. For everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, all nations, not only the children of Israel, God's people, who are under law in the Old Testament there, but it's for all nations. Verse 17, for in it, that's in the gospel, the righteousness of God, not your righteousness, the righteousness of God, well, it is your righteousness if you receive it and stand in it. Absolutely, the righteousness of God is ours. He's given it to us. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith, to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by what? Faith. Where does faith come from? Me? No, it comes through me. It comes by hearing. It comes from the Word of God. Faith comes from God. Yeah. This gospel, this salvation takes us completely out of ourselves, doesn't rely on ourselves, it doesn't come, it comes, the hearing comes by the Word of God. It doesn't come through the TV necessarily. Could be if you're watching Shine, maybe, I don't know. But generally, it comes through the Word of God under the power of the Spirit of God. In these two verses, Paul states his confidence in the gospel and the reason for it. And the bulk of the book of Romans is devoted to explaining why and how the gospel of Christ is the power is God's power to save those who believe. And it's an important thing to actually go through Romans, especially, I love, all of Romans is great, but I encourage you to read and reread from Romans chapter 1 to Romans chapter 8. 
It is a real good journey. And I'll just give you a real quick overview just of that, just before we start our three points this morning. Chapter 1 to 3, we see man's rebellion there. We see man moving away from God, moving to idols. We see man judging each other. Who are you, oh man? You judge, judge someone else and, you know, according to themselves, that's what man do. And what we see in chapters 1 to 3, we see everybody, all of mankind under sin, totally condemned, all of sinned. We see that in chapter 1 to 3, all of sinned and fallen short of God's glory, both Jew and Gentile. Under condemnation, the Jews, because they had the law and they didn't keep it, they broke it. Moses didn't even get down the mountain and they had already broken it, Mount Sinai. Uh, the Gentiles, because the law of God was written in their conscience and it's broken. We have a God-given conscience. We might not be of the children of Israel, but it's written in our conscience. Chapter 3 to 4, or the last part of chapter 3, 3 to 4, or the beginning two verses of chapter 5, uh, thereabouts, we have justification by faith. How, and that is important that you understand that you have been justified. You have been made just as though you'd never sinned. Yes, we know we were all condemned and we have a, a conscience that maybe condemns us and maybe it still does at times and it shouldn't be because you don't understand the gospel. But this is justification, so important. Chapter three to four. And then we see in chapter five, we see uh, faith gives access to grace. These are just some headings I've put there. Faith gives access to grace. In chapter five, see five is a number of grace. We see grace gives abundantly, causing us to reign in life. That's one of the key phrases of chapter five, reigning in life. God wants you, my brother and sister, to reign in life. And He gives you abundant grace in order to enable you to reign in life. And you see five times the phrase uh, in, in chapter 5, if you want to do a word study, the words much more. Much more. Look it up. Search it out. Get a good translation. Look up those words five times. The number of grace. Much more. God has much more for you. I get excited about this because for 35 years I've been going through Romans. I wasn't long a believer and someone told me to keep a well-thumbed Romans. And I've been going over, trying to understand it. And it's exciting because it's freeing as well. Chapter 6, the gospel brings deliverance from the power of indwelling sin. Three times in chapter 6, you, and you get many other things if you want to do a word study, but this is one of them. You get the phrase freed or free from sin. Did you know you can be absolutely free from sin? Wow, wouldn't you want to occupy that place where you're not only free from condemnation, but free from sin? Oh, I would. Hallelujah. Chapter 7, we see it is a great chapter. People struggle with chapter 7. They struggle with themselves, but there God's trying to... Chapter 7 is all about the believer that is married to Christ. The new husband. They had an old husband. And he was so strict. The believer had to, well, the person had to die to get out of that relationship. Because the husband wasn't going to die, and you know that marriage is for life. But the new husband is Jesus. The old husband was the law. And it only brought condemnation. It was a very strict husband. But in chapter 7, we see the believer married to Christ. 
That's what it's all about. Then you come to chapter 8. I love chapter 8. It's the number of new beginning. I love 8. I'm one of a family of 8. I'm the oldest of the five youngest. Five is grace. Eight is new beginning. That's why I get excited about these things. <laughs> um, in Christ, uh, in chapter 8, we, we, it's in Christ, the new man. In Christ, we're spirit-led, sons of God, and no condemnation. So we come from the first two or three chapters of, of, of Romans where there's condemnation, and you go along the Roman road, and you start to understand the gospel, and then you come to the place, chapter 8 of no condemnation where you abide in Christ. And it starts, chapter 8 starts, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's great, isn't it? Praise God. I, I encourage us over this next month or six weeks that we all take a journey uh, down the Roman road. That you go home today, tomorrow, the next day, and you read through Romans 1 to 8 and, 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 and read it again. And next week, and the week after, read it, study it, seek to grasp what God is saying in the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God. I'm getting dry already. Kind of dry preaching. Well, if I'm excited about it, how much more our God, our Heavenly Father, and our Lord. Okay, that was just a quick overview. And um, we're going to start our uh, first point today. We're going to Romans chapter 3. I thought I'd start there. We're not going to go through Romans verse by verse. But we've got a few verses to read today. And chapter 3 is a great leveling chapter that puts everybody on the same plane. All the rebellion and all the sin and all the condemnation of mankind, accusing, excusing one another, comparing each other with the next person, the neighbor over the road, and thinking how well I'm doing compared to them. You come to chapter 3 and it says, verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 11, there is none who understands, none. There is none who seek after God. You never saw God. I never sought after God. He came seeking for me. Jesus came through the dark night of Calvary to seek and to save the one sinner that was lost. That was me. That was me. None seek after God. They had all turned aside. Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. They have all together become unprofitable. It's through the fall of mankind. There is none that does good, no, not one. You go, well, hang on a minute. I thought I'm all right. No. You might be all right according to you or your understanding of what's in the world. But this is what the Word of God says. And this is an important place to come. Their throat is an open tomb. When the grave is open, what happens and the body's rotting? It stinks. You ever notice what comes out of people's mouths? Have you ever noticed what comes out of your mouth at times? Oh, why is it going quiet here? Here's me all excited and you guys have gone all quiet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Challenging. Well, Romans 3 is challenging. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. This is pretty descriptive stuff, isn't it? Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Isn't that just described the whole world today? In general, 
Wow. And so we got to come to this place. My first point is take a step. And take a knee. And it's step to the cross. Because when you come to the foot of the cross, you see that Jesus, the Son of God, who was not like this, but who was perfect and upright in all his ways, he was hanging there and nailed to the cross. He did not deserve that. I deserved that. Because I was, I was, this is a description of what I was like. Romans 3 verse 19. Now we know that whatsoever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Why? That every mouth might be stopped. Whether it's the law written in the tables of stone, whether it's the law of the conscience. It's, it tells us that we stand there and we don't have an excuse and we cannot argue, well, why this God? Why that God? Um, in other words, God is saying that everyone would shut up. That's a bit... It's a little bit straight, sorry. Shut up. <laughs> I think in, I think in um, Portuguese it's Kalabuga. I know in uh, Yugoslav, because I used to have a deli friend, it was sort of muchi, muchi. I remember him say, his mum saying to him all the time, muchi, muchi. mean, shut up. It, the reason why this is saying to us that we might be without excuse, that every mouth might be stopped, and that all the world may become guilty before God. This is a step we need to take at the foot of the cross where we come to this place where we recognize that we are the condemned sinner. I am the one who has failed and I deserve to be nailed there, not my Lord. He didn't be, deserve to be nailed there. You do the crime, you expect to do the time. But Jesus came and did the time for us so that we didn't have to be nailed there. What amazing grace, and that's why the gospel of salvation is the power of God to free us from this place of condemnation and take us to the place of no condemnation. When you take the step to the cross, you come to the place where we don't have a leg to stand on. That's just like the serpent. He had to, he had to, he had to go on his belly for the rest of his life, wasn't he, at the fall? Ever since the fall of mankind, we haven't had a leg to stand on. And you come to the cross with no leg to stand on. There's not a whole lot of difference between us and the serpent, that old serpent. Because his poison has been put into us, mankind, humanity. And uh, God, God has really got the antidote in Christ, hasn't he? Romans 3 verse 23. So in, in Romans chapter 3, the great leveling chapter puts everyone on the same plane. No one has a head start before anyone else. All under condemnation, all under sin. And then it says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But watch this, the sentence doesn't stop there. Being, this is the good news, this is the gospel. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How long did it take for God to say, have an answer? Immediately. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Wow! God has the answer for us in Christ immediately. Man sinned. Immediately made coats of skins. Immediately, Jesus was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. God has an answer in Christ. Glory to his name. Yes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But he's justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 25. Whom Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiate. Now, that's a big word, propitiation. That means an atoning sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. 
And God covered over man's sin. He, he met the need of all of mankind in Christ, as it were, and laid it all on his son. He came in the person of his son. So God has set forth as a propitiation or atoning sacrifice by his blood, Jesus' blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. That's God's righteousness. Jesus is coming and demonstrating God's righteousness to us. Because of his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. Verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness through Christ, that he, that is God, might be just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. If a sacrifice was never made, God wouldn't have been just in forgiving our sins. But he's got a, a righteous basis now because Jesus has come and demonstrated in a, in, in, in a man, in a life that were lived holy, totally submitted to the Father's will. He walked by faith. Jesus had 100% faith in the Father, and the Father had 100% faith in Jesus. Isn't that awesome? None of them let each other down. So this is not about us. I know your life might be all about you, but this is not about us. It's about a demonstration of the righteousness of God, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So how do you approach God? Maybe you've actually approached God before, and you've come to the cross. And maybe you've seen that Jesus did die for you, because the first point is take a step, and take a knee, and kneel down and wonder, and just marvel at the love, at the grace, at the goodness of God, that He Himself would come in the person and be born of the virgin and grow up as a, as a man and, and take our place. What love! We stand in awe. I stand in awe. I remember when I first came to the Lord 35 years ago and in all my need. And I felt my lack and I felt my sin. And I'd been rebellious against God and against my parents and against everything in this world. And I just appreciate the love of God. Why me? Why did He love me so? And so I observed. I took a step, and you might have come to that place. And if you haven't, you can come there today. But maybe there's one more step closer you need to come. Take a step, take a knee. Maybe you need to take one more step closer to the cross, where you see that not only did he die for you, and you're still the center of your universe, because it's all about at least somebody loves me, and he loves me with perfect love. Maybe you need to take a step onto the cross. That's what Paul said. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Not only did he die for me, I died with him. I'm taking a step onto the cross. My self-centered life where it was all about me is now nailed to the cross. When Jesus got nailed to the cross, I was nailed there with him. God passed judgment on a self-centered life because he alone is God. He alone has the glory. You are not the center and source of everything. It might be a surprise to us when we know that I'm not the center of everything. God is. He doesn't share his glory with another, but he does in another sense. Praise his name. I just hope this is coming across. The first one, take a step, take a knee, the first point. 
So let's see how this is done then. We'll go to Luke um, 18, verse 9 to 14. And we have a story that Jesus uh, that was mentioned there. And it says, And it happened, as they, uh, sorry, no, that's the wrong one. It says, Also he spoke this parable, this is Jesus, to some who, who was he speaking to? To some who trusted in themselves. Now, you might be going by the name of a Christian here today, but are you trusting in yourself? Or are you trusting in the Lord? And Jesus spoke this parable to some who were trusting in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So he says this story, he says, parable, he says, two men went up to the temple to pray. Two men went along to excite church one day. That's the interpretation. And uh, one, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. And the Pharisee was a religious man. The tax collector was the despised one. And because uh, often they would take more than their taxes and, they, and put a bit in their own pocket. A little bit of corruption there, you know. And the Pharisee stood up to pray with himself. Not really with God. He thought he was praying to God, but it was really with himself. And he goes, God. Well, who's God? He's talking to himself. He, little did he realize he was still the God of his own life. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, taking too much. Because he probably saw the tax collector over there and thought, I know him. You see, extortioners, extorting money off other people. Unjust, adulterers. I haven't actually committed adultery, thinking. Or even as this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I'm a good guy. I give tithes of all that I possess. Put money in the offering. Oh, that's good. And uh, the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house, justified, that means just as though he had never sinned, the one who said, I'm a sinner, Rather than the other, rather than the goody-good that was putting money into the ties, who fasted twice a week. For everyone who exalts himself will be what? Humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Have you ever taken that step before the cross? Have you ever? It's so important in Romans, before we go on in the gospel, that you've come to this place where you recognize that you totally do not deserve God's forgiveness, his salvation, we deserve only the judgment of God. Have you ever come there? And then the step closer, recognizing that you have been put to death with Christ and God has paid past judgment on the self-centered life that we started out living. He's passed judgment on that self-centeredness at the cross. This is the gospel. Cuts right to the chase. Really does. Brings a bit of peace in the congregation. It was pretty rowdy when we came in here this morning. That's good. It's good if it's rowdy when we're worshipping. But now it's quite quiet. <laughs> Praise God. Anyway, moving on. We don't want to dwell there. Yep, take up your cross. Nailed there with Jesus. Yeah? Praise his name. Now, point two. Not only take a step or take a knee, but take a look. Let's have a look there. It's a look of faith. And come and have a look at the faith. It says in Romans 4 verse 25, 
Jesus, who was delivered up because of our offences and raised for our justification. When you look to the cross by faith, you see he, he was delivered up for my offences and he was raised again for my justification. And we see that in Luke 24, verse 4 to 7. It says, it happened as they were greatly perplexed. This is a resurrection day. And, they, and, and the woman, they're coming down there to the um, sepulchre where Jesus' body was put. And uh, they were perplexed about all this. That Behold, two men stood by them. They were angels in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces, faces to, the, to the earth, because they'd come to embalm the body of Jesus. They'd come to pay their respects and, and tribute, like many are doing with the queen today. Uh, Jesus had died, and they thought he was in the tomb still. But we know that he had risen. And these angels, they said to the woman, they said, why do you look for the living one among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Hallelujah. Because that's really good. If he bore my sin and he's still in the grave, I wouldn't be too sure that it actually the price has really been paid and God's happy enough. And when I died, I'd be a little bit fearful still. But God's so happy Jesus bore all my sin and now he's alive. So it's done. It's finished. I know he said it's finished on the cross, but he raised them up. It's all completed. I don't need to fear again. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still with you in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. That is a glorious gospel. And God, he humbled himself before God and God has highly exalted him, given him a name above every name. Yes. And so... We have new life in Christ. And so, so, so faith, faith though, is so much bigger, a bigger a word than what I first thought it was. Faith is not me trying to, uh, to believe. It's much more than that. Faith is actually God putting faith in his son that we'd fully accomplish the work that his heavenly father would do when he sent him from the glory and he spent these long years on this earth he did everything. He fulfilled every prophecy that was spoken of him in the Old Testament. And faith was God having faith in his son. And faith was the son of God, Jesus, having faith in his father. It's reciprocal, faith to faith. You see, it's, it's like that's what real faith is. It's between the father and the son. See, before there was my faith. There was his faith, the faith of God that was embodied in our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah? It's in their faith, faith, the faithfulness of the Father and the faithfulness of the Son, that it is most important. It is, it is for it's in their faith. It's their faith that what makes me having faith or us having faith, faith possible. You see? It's not us as the center of faith. It's not us as a source of faith. Faith comes by hearing. Jesus is the word. We've actually been included in that faith between the Father and Son. So when we talk of faith, it's not something that we're trying to conjure up why we're still the center of our little world and universe. It's something that we have because we read the word and we just say yes and amen. And we enter into that relationship between the Father and Son by faith. Praise God. I hope it's making sense. Well, that's how I saw it. New life in Christ, yes? So take a step or take a knee. Take a look at the tomb, which is empty. Praise God. 
Resurrection power. Raised up with Christ. But then take a seat is my third point. Take a seat. God wants us all not only to take a step and take a knee and bow before him and, and, and submit ourselves to him and take a look at an open tomb and, and, and get to know about the risen Savior, him be risen and living his life in us. But he wants us to take a seat with Jesus. Romans 8, and that's chapter 8 in Christ, you know, as I see it. Others might see it different, and that's all right. But Romans 8, 14 to 17, it says, For as many of us as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. He's, when he rose from the dead, he brought many sons. He was the firstborn from the dead, the first one to come out of the grave. And he brought many sons into glory. We were raised with him. Not only were we crucified with him, we were raised with him. Led, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. God's brought us right into his family. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy. He's our dad. We're right in that relationship between the father and son. We're as close to our dad as Jesus is now. As a man, he's, and, and he's, God has satisfied us with us now as we abide in him, as we look to him. Yes. And if children, then you're heirs, heirs of God. That means you inherit. You're an heir of God. You inherit. We all want to uh, have an inheritance. We'd love millions of dollars, maybe. There's lots of things you can inherit. The Father's name, you can inherit. The Father's business, you can inherit. All sorts of things we inherit from our parents, even when we don't want them, do we? <laughs> but that just happens. But we're heirs of God. Join heirs with Christ. If indeed you suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. See, the queen has died, gone to be in the glory. Praise God, wonderful woman. But Charles now has inherited the throne. He is an heir. He was an heir to the throne. Jesus has died, and we are heirs of God and joint heirs with him. He's risen again, but we're joint heirs. Because now he's received back to glory, not as he was before, but as a man. You see? As a, as a man who has fully completed the work, satisfied the heart of the Father, highly exalted one, given a name above every name, has all authority in heaven and on earth. And we're heirs of God, enjoyed heirs with Christ. And we're to sit down. God has a throne for us. He has raised us up and seated us in heavenly places in Christ. And, and, and that's what I believe the whole gospel is through Romans. And there's, there, I know how he'll bring us some good stuff next week. <laughs> he's speaking next week and others will bring a lot and open it up a lot more but it's, 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 it's awesome because when we sit down like Charles sitting on the throne now we start to reign with Christ and that's what God wants us to do he wants us to reign as kings he wants us to be overcomers no matter what we go through Jesus suffered all sorts of things even people just gapped it and left him one stage he only had his 12 disciples left and he said will you also go away and they said, well, where else are we going to go? you got the words of eternal life, so we're going to stick around a bit. So that was good. But he went through tr trials. And we are glorified together as we suffer with him too. Praise God. So take your seat. Take a seat. Begin to reign. See, if you're, str if you're struggling with defeat, experiencing defeat in an area of your life, we need to hand it over to God. We don't want to be struggling to qualify for God's blessings through our own works because if we are we'll feel defeated we'll experience defeat if we're trying to qualify ourselves yes 
Self-effort will rob us of reigning in life by God's grace. Undeserved favor God wants to give us and he's given us in Christ. It's not about our work or performance, but Jesus' work and performance. And he's performed perfectly on our behalf. I'm satisfied with him. I delight myself in the Lord. He's so perfect, so holy. He's altogether lovely. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He is everything to the Father and everything to me. And his work is finished, praise God. Not only did he sit down at the Father's right hand, but the scripture here that we read also states that we are seated with him. We are heirs of God, seated on this throne. We're kings. We're kings. So take a seat. Take a step, take a knee. Take a look at an empty tomb. That's what I see Romans all about. And then take a seat in chapter 8, yeah? So Romans, just briefly again, takes us from the place of condemnation to the place of no condemnation, which is in Christ. From the place of unrighteousness to perfect righteousness in Christ. From a life in the flesh to a life in the spirit in Christ. From death to life in Christ. Being under the curse to living in a place of blessing in Christ. Praise God. Uh, From bondage to sin uh, and self to freedom from sin. That's where we're taken from as we go from this place of condemnation to no condemnation. It takes us from a place of being carnally minded or fleshly minded or minding the things of this world to being spiritually minded in Christ as we walk by faith. It takes us from uh, being governed by what we think and feel to being guided by what the Word of God says and guided by the Spirit. Hey, don't always listen to those thoughts and feelings, eh? Bring them along the word side, the word of God, and just check they're all right, you know? It takes us from being a servant to sin to a son of the living God. It takes us from suffering to glory. We all suffer through this world. Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation. We read about suffering with him. We'll be glorified together with him. So praise God. Romans, The Roman road is a great road to journey on. From the place of condemnation to the place of no condemnation. I encourage you again, read Romans 1 to 8. Take a step, take a knee, crucified with him. Take a look, see the faith between the Father and Son. And that God, is, he's done everything to the, it's perfect faith really. The fact of the resurrection shows you that there was perfect faith there. Take a seat. You're the one now to reign with Christ and the one to reach out to those in need. Now it's us. We're not sitting down doing nothing. We're sitting on our heavenly seat, but we're active like the Lord. And we're the ones that are going after the one sheep that was lost now. We're the ones that are reaching out to the community, to one another. We're the ones that are baking a cake and taking it to the neighbor. We're the ones that are going and doing our, our brother's lawn or our neighbor's lawns or helping them cut down some trees or, 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 or do, just being there in a time of need and bringing comfort to those who mourn. We're, we're the hands and the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ now. Because we've taken a step and we've taken a look and we've taken a seat and we're reigning with Christ for his honor and for his glory. Amen. Praise God.